0: This is a podcast from ABC Radio Overnights. I'm Rod Quinn. You probably have seen the extraordinary scenes, and they truly are extraordinary. The people of Sri Lanka storming the presidential palace, overthrowing the government, and then raiding the kitchen, sleeping in the bedrooms, and swimming in the pool. The President and the Prime Minister have fled the country, leaving chaos and disaster behind. The country is billions of dollars in debt, tens of billions of dollars, and inflation is currently at about 80% and continuing to increase. And these are just a couple of the reasons why Sri Lanka has seen massive protests and the collapse of its government and economy. Sri Lankans have endured months of medicine and food shortages and electricity blackouts while fuel stations have run out of petrol and diesel and the UN has labelled it as a dire humanitarian crisis. And during that crisis, this crisis which is still going on, the Australian cricket team was playing a test and one-day series. How did we get here? What's gone so badly wrong for such a beautiful country and will new leadership save sri lanka this morning for our talking point we are discussing the crisis in sri lanka and our very special guest is dr david brewster he is senior research fellow with the national security college at the australian national university david dr brewster good morning welcome to the program
1: good morning rod and it's lovely to be here on such a beautiful morning
0: it's not so beautiful, though, in Sri Lanka, is it? I mean, has this come as a surprise to you? Has this been a long time coming, or has this been a surprise?
1: Uh, look, it has been a long time coming for, for some years of um, really imprudent um, economic management of the country. We, uh, I suppose close observers knew that things were not well in Sri Lanka, but that's really accelerated over the last uh, several months by uh, a few factors. Um, essentially, the uh, the Ukraine war and the spike in uh, fuel prices and food prices has really accelerated things into uh, this complete complete collapse. It's as you said, it's extraordinary, and I don't think uh, it's really hard to think of any. Uh, similar example in another country in, in, in decades that has just so utterly, uh, utterly collapsed. There's um, yeah. no fuel, no cars, uh, for cars to run, people can't work. Um, so it was really
0: quite extraordinary. We'll get to that in a moment. I'll get to this text, though, from John in Bega. He says, is Sri Lanka broke because of debt to China, or is that an oversimplification?
1: Yes, it is a bit of an oversimplification. I mean, certainly uh, China has been an uh, important reason for uh, the collapse of the country, but it hasn't simply been uh, about debt to to China. And maybe we can come back to that a little bit later because it's a bit of a, a sort of a, a complicated story. Okay.
0: So just how bad is the situation in Sri Lanka um, does everyday life go on? I mean, is there a government there at the moment, even though the President and the, uh, the Prime Minister have sort of fled the country? I mean, what uh, has all life kind of ground to a halt there?
1: <laughs> well, look, uh, uh, you know, really most uh, uh, economic activities are finding it very difficult to continue biggest problem is is lack of fuel because the country has run out of fuel because no one will sell them fuel uh, because they simply don't have any money at all to pay for it. Um, India has been providing some assistance in uh, food and fuel and other necessities but uh, really uh, only at an emergency level so the the ordinary person for example they uh, uh, most um, uh, public servants uh, don't go to work, schools are closed, and many businesses are closed as well, For again, for lack of fuel.
0: So how... Would, let's go back a bit, sorry. How would you just characterise the style of government in Sri Lanka? Like, When did... I presume they got independence uh, from uh, Britain at some point, or uh, did they not do that? And is there a history of democracy? Because we know there was a, a long war in sri lanka which didn't i don't think take uh, over the entire nation but certainly parts of it what's the history of politics and and democracy and government in sri lanka
1: look it's been really one of the uh, more successful um countries in our region it it gained independence from britain in 1948 around the same time as india got independence and it's been more or less a successful parliamentary democracy since that time. A few bumps along the road, but really uh, largely uh, democratic, uh, a loud and uh, raucous democracy at some I, I, I at some times. But um, you know, a a, uh, a country that has really mostly adhered to democratic um, traditions uh, as you. Uh, as you pointed out, it's, it's ha- suffered from a terrible civil war uh, that went on for um, almost 30 years, a 30-year civil war, um, when the, uh, the Tamil, the Hindu Tamil minority, who were mostly located in the country's north, uh, fought a separatist war um, against the government. And against uh, what was mostly the uh, Buddhist Sinhalese majority uh, who are, are more in the south of the country. And that was a, a terrible bloody war and the, um, the leading uh, Tamil uh, uh, separatist organization, they were called the Tamil Tigers or the LTTE, were absolutely ruthless and they were really uh, Invented the suicide bomb. They would strap people up and send them off to blow up uh, 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 Sri Lankan officials and Sri Lankan ordinary Sri Lankan people. And they were utterly ruthless. And um, the war only ended in uh, 2009 uh, with uh, with the victory of um, of the government and. But the, the, the end of the war itself was, was very bloody. bloody. Um, government forces surrounded the, the last remnants of the Tamil separatists and killed many, many thousands. And in the last uh, days they, uh, they executed uh, the leader of the, um, of the LTTE and his 12-year-old son just to uh, make sure that uh, they could never never mm-hmm. come back.
0: So is the, the government that ordered that, and or the government troops, are they still the government that was in power until recently?
1: Absolutely, and that's part of the problem. The, uh, the, the war, as I said, went on for several decades, and it was um, only with the election of Mahinda Rajapaksa in 2005 uh, that a a sufficiently ruthless uh, 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 Sri Lankan leader came to power that was prepared to do anything at all to destroy the Tamil um, separatist movement. And he, as I said, he he won the war in 2009, but, uh, you know, it's a great lesson. That leaders who can win wars aren't necessarily leaders that you uh, want in peacetime. And so, uh, Mahinda Rajapaksa, uh, um, the, the, one of the big problems that Sri Lanka has faced over the last couple of decades is the complete lack of reconciliation. So, there was absolutely no effort after the end of the war for um, the majority. Um, Sinhalese to reconcile with the defeated Tamil minority. And but they
0: killed so many of them. I mean, could that be seen as ethnic cleansing in a way?
1: Uh, absolutely. And there certainly has been um, many claims of that. And, of course, if you remember back uh, 15 years or so, uh, many um, Tamil Sri Lankans, fled the country and got on boats and came to Australia Australia. and that was sort of a large part of I suppose what they called the boat people at the time Um, and it was only really shut down um, in around 2014 when Australia moved to provide assistance to Sri Lanka to help shut down that, uh, uh, what what was happening there. Mm, We'll get to Um, that in a moment. Yeah.
0: (coughs) Owen um, <coughs> has a question about this Owen, good morning
2: Good morning, Rod and David um, Yes, well as David alluded to the Roger um draw their power base um, predominantly on the uh, Sinhalese community um, uh, In th- in, t- in 2019 uh, Goddard Rajapaksa uh, won because he won the majority of the uh, Sinhalese whilst his rival uh, Sajid Pranajasa uh, won the majority of the channel though there wasn't enough um, um, and, uh, and so my question is this um, what role has the um, previous ethnic conflict played in the recent series of events? Has the dramatic um, situation in, with the economy in Sri Lanka resulted in um, uh, persecution against the channels um, and also um, with the downfall of the Rajapat regime with what comes next, does your um experts see that um, what uh, does your expert to see as the conditions for the channels do will they be a backlash against them as there has been after some popular resolutions, or will they be included in the post-Ludget Patsa
0: era? right, thanks Owen, I appreciate that. Okay, so uh, ethnic divisions, if you will, in in, uh, Sri Lanka, that obviously was part of the problem with the war. Has it led to what's going on now and what happens beyond this?
1: Uh, Look, that's a great question. Um, The Ethnic divisions uh, haven't uh, in themselves really um, led to this crisis. Um, This is, you know, essentially being driven by economic factors. But they have uh, been a factor in the uh, continuing power of uh, the Rajapaksa family. They, uh, I mentioned uh, Mahinda Rajapaksa, who's the president, who won the civil war back in two thousand and nine, and Mahinda and his entire family have continued to play on that uh, nationalist extremism and ethnic division to keep themselves in power since that time, and uh, so Mahinda. Uh, was uh, president, uh, remained president until 2015. He was voted out for a short period of um, a few years and then in 2019 his brother, uh, Gotha Rajapaksa, who was the defense minister during the Civil War uh, came back as president and indeed he brought the entire Rajapaksa family with him. So Mahinda became Prime Minister uh, basil became um, a finance minister, another brother was in cabinet and numerous other nephews and cousins etc occupied virtually every single hmm. uh, important government post in the country and it was really a family business the country became a family business and essentially a kleptocracy because really their Key aim of the family was to take as much money as they could from the country in every conceivable way. So a poor
0: country great. to begin with—that's the problem, as we often see with these kleptocracies.
1: Y- yes. Look, it was well. You know, it, as Sri Lanka was really one of the, uh, I suppose. The better run and the 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 wealthier countries of South Asia. If you compare it to India and and other countries in South Asia, it was it was uh, somewhat better off uh, and uh, had some uh, strong export industries in in tourism and tea, etc. But uh, the uh, the Rajapaksa family made it their aim basically to take. Everything they they possibly could and in in doing so they they worked closely uh, with the Chinese who mm-hmm. um, uh, supported them and offered them um, large amounts of loans for uh, various uh, projects which uh, benefited China and we can
0: talk yeah. about that well, a little bit later as a well warning to other countries as well i mean the yeah. the point about that I suppose is that uh, that money was uh, hidden away elsewhere, presumably overseas, and uh, once the President left the country, then he presumably would have access to that money that he stole.
1: Yes, well there's been a lot of stories over the last few months of um, uh, midnight flights, of planes out of the country carrying um, gold and jewels and money, yeah. uh, et cetera, to various parts of the world. So you can be sure that um, President uh, uh, Gota Rajapaksa is not going to be doing too poorly. All right.
0: Uh, we've got Penny uh, calling now as well. G'day, Penny.
2: Oh, good morning. Uh, yeah, that's right, It is morning. Um, there's 22 million people in Sri Lanka and I think, is it a quarter of the size of Tasmania? It's about the same I size mean, as Tasmania. Da- be your pardon?
0: It's about the same size as Tasmania.
2: I thought it was quarter of the size No it's well,
0: about sixty six thousand square K.
2: Oh, okay. So um uh do you think that has anything to do with the problem?
0: That's a very good question. So a lot of people in a small area of land. What do you make of that, David? Doctor David Brewster is our guest.
1: Oh look it's a you know, it's South Asia, so yeah. it's a lot more crowded than than Australia is, but it's Uh, You know, a country um, that has uh, a lot of um, uh, excellent agriculture. Um, It's one of uh, uh, great for growing tea uh, and various other agricultural products. It's been one of, uh, you know, a major tourist uh, destination until recent times. And so there were... um, a lot of reasons to think that Sri Lanka could become uh, a real economic success story and certainly there were aspirations among uh, many of the Sri Lankan elite that they could become the Singapore of the Indian Ocean. So they looked at Singapore and the success of Singapore, a small country in Southeast Asia, which managed to build itself into a major shipping hub and finance hub of uh, Southeast Asia, and there are a lot of aspirations that Sri Lanka could achieve the same in the Indian Ocean—that it could become the the port state of for the for India and for the whole of the Indian Ocean, and become the great um, finance hub as well. So certainly there was no lack of um, ambitions to become a, uh, a wealthy and modern country. How realistic that, that they were is, a, is very much another question. Yep. But, uh, you know, it's all come crush, uh, crashing down mm. uh, over the last uh, few months.
0: All right. Thanks very much for that penny. Um, we want to get to China in just a moment, but uh, and there's another question from Dave that I think Merrill wants to ask about on the phone line as well. One three hundred eight hundred triple two. So we'll get to those in a moment. But Reese in Narara says, "What happens with the five hundred million dollars that our government pledged to Sri Lanka? What happens to that money?"
1: Look, Australia hasn't uh, been um, uh, giving um, huge amounts of uh, uh, aid in response of this, to this crisis. It has been giving some uh, emergency uh, food aid. Uh, uh, Sri Lanka is very important, a uh, very important partner for Australia. But I think the, um, the, the strategy has been to wait until um, Sri Lanka um, has finished its negotiations with the IMF for a rescue package and then we can come in and see what assistance we can uh, provide um, in in light of that. But the the main provider of emergency assistance to Sri Lanka over the last few months has been India.
0: All right, as you would expect, Meryl's with us. Good morning, Meryl.
1: Oh, hello. Um, Nice to talk to you. It's an interesting thing because I've got friends who come from Sri Lanka
0: yep.
1: um, I was listening to something I think it was on the drum on the ABC yesterday yep. or the day before and they were talking about Sri Lanka and the food crisis and one particular girl who's from Sri Lanka said the government had decided that they should go they should stop using fertilizer and go all organic and so they weren't allowed to have the fertilizer, so the rice was they were having really poor harvest with the rice, and everybody eats rice all the time. So how much is all this, you know, lack of food causing problems?
0: That's a great question. And Dave says uh, the government promised the, um, sorry, the government promised they could do better without chemicals chemical fertilizer to grow crops which the result was no rice crops no vegetables so millions of rupees went missing as well so that sounds like a, a huge problem uh, dr david yeah Foster.
1: look it's it's uh, was a it was a classic desperate decision of a desperate and incompetent government um some months ago in 2021 uh seeing um a coming economic crisis Someone came up with the bright idea that uh, they could save a lot of money if they banned the import of uh, fertilisers, which was sort of one of the bigger uh, costs of of imports, and they dressed it up as um, a decision um, to go organic. Let's uh, instantly make the whole of our agriculture industry organic by not putting any fertiliser on it. And of course, if you do that, uh, uh, I suppose cold turkey, then the obvious impact is that um, uh, you'll uh, be harvesting uh, much less crops. And that's exactly what what happened. And that had the twin result of um, even further reducing uh, Sri Lanka's um, rice exports. And also causing a food crisis within um, Sri Lanka. But it's a a great example of how incompetent uh, this government was that they were looking for quick fix solutions um, when uh, they were really the cause of the problem.
0: All right. Thanks very much for that, Meryl. So you mentioned China a couple of times. Dr David Brewster from the ANU is our guest Uh, Spiros and Williamstown said, did China play a role in helping the government win the civil war? But then what role has China played? Is it the same thing that we hear in the Pacific and we are warned about that China extends money, They uh, then, of course, uh, the money can't be paid back and they move in and take over infrastructure or or, uh, then uh, are able to hold... um, the the whip hand over these countries. What's happened in Sri Lanka with regards to China?
1: Yes, look, that's it's broadly true, but it's a little bit more complicated. Um, during the civil war, um, India could not. Well, was it was very difficult to provi- for India to provide too much assistance to the Sri Lankan government because the uh, the Tamils, the Tamil separatists, were. Uh, ethnically very uh, closely related to Tamils in India. And so uh, there was a very strong feelings of sympathy towards, uh, towards the Tamil from m- many parts of India. So China came in and provided uh, a lot of uh, arms to the Sri Lankan government, and, um, which assisted them a lot in uh, winning the civil war. After the Civil War, uh, China then beca- began extending um, a lot of loans for big projects to uh, to the Sri Lankan government. Now, uh, a couple of things in this. Firstly, uh, many, if not most, if not all of these projects were a result of massive corruption. So these Chinese state-owned companies would pay um, Uh, a lot of money to the Rajapaksa family and their their friends to gain these projects. But at the same time, many of these projects were basically economically unfeasible. And the great examples of this were a series of projects in Hambantota, which is a uh, small town in southern uh, Sri Lanka where the Rajapaksa family came from. And so the Rajapaksas built a big port there and an airport uh, which really was economically unfeasible with Chinese loans. And I've been there, I visited there a couple of years ago. Uh, It's quite surreal really, it's a beautiful modern airport, Um, uh, actually a a lot more modern in a lot of ways than Sydney Airport. And it's sitting there uh, entirely, there there are no flights there, but uh, fully staffed. So you'd walk down, uh, walk through these beautiful gleaming um, halls and uh, the staff would be, um, you know, hundreds of staff would be standing there behind all the check-in counters, uh, etc. But no passengers.
0: So Uh, who's paid for all this? You're saying this is the Chinese or... Well the Chinese
1: lent money to build these yes. projects but of course uh, it had to be repaid and uh, because in many cases they are economically unfeasible the Chinese uh, had the option of coming in and taking control and that's exactly what happened with the nearby port at Hambantota a beautiful port which was built but um uh, at that time, there was no um, ships coming to make it. Make it, uh, you know, uh, to finance it. And yeah. so, after a few years, uh, China, the Chinese government came and took over that port under a ninety-nine year uh, under a ninety-nine year lease. And that's really been led to a lot of accusations of, in effect, neo-colonialism by China hmm. taking. A, ve- a port in a very strategic position for potentially for use by the Chinese Navy in in coming sure. years, so that uh, they've got an outpost there yep. uh, in the
0: Indian Ocean. And I was thinking, who'd be silly enough to give the Chinese government a ninety nine year lease on a port? But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so simple question, and David Brewster, I guess, from the A N U about the storming of the palace. Do you think that people were right to do that?
1: Look, it's a, it's a great question because uh, especially when we're all also watching um, the uh, January 6 uh, uh, hearings in, in Washington of, and we have a picture of, a, um, I suppose, a crazed right-wing mob trying to overthrow democracy in, in Washington. Um, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, this, I think, is very different. It was a uh, government that had been essentially stealing uh, money from the country, had driven Sri Lanka into um, a complete collapse and it was really a spontaneous uh, uprising by ordinary people, ordinary middle-class people who had had enough, who no longer had jobs, no longer had food. And uh, it was quite peaceful actually also because um, although obviously the president, as you'd expect the presidential palace was closely guarded by security services, the security services were very sympathetic to, to the people. And ultimately, they they let them into the palace. And the uh, I suppose the grassroots grassroots organisers of these protests were very very careful to make it non-violent. So uh, they didn't commit violence against uh, the police, and they also didn't uh, ransack the palace. You would expect that when. Um, uh, 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 I suppose a revolutionary crowd comes into a, a presidential palace and they see all the riches and the money that the uh, the, the president had while the ordinary people starved, it, it would be a sort of a natural reaction for them to ransack the palace. But they were very, very careful not to. I mean, they jumped in the swimming pool and they ate the foie gras in the kitchen and all that sort of stuff. but. They were very careful not to not to damage the place to Did they lose it as a, well or not? No, no, they okay. didn't. They did So
0: didn't. they were perhaps inspired by January six, but they learnt the lesson of January. No, 6th no, as well. I think
1: there was no insp- No, there was but no they connection. They learnt the lesson wrong. Okay, there it, was no no. Really well, it was. Yeah, you shouldn't. There, there shouldn't be any connection okay. between the two. It's it's the uh, takeover of the presidential palace was really. An expression uh, of of uh, desperation of of uh, ordinary people to get rid of an utterly yep. corrupt and kleptocratic uh, government. Okay. So that, yeah.
0: you talk about it as a revolutionary uh, group, yes. though. So is this a revolution? Who is going to take over the government? Are they going to allow the sort of kleptocracy? They don't want to see that happen in the future because quite often, as you pointed out here, it's a family that does it. And they constantly uh, appoint brothers and fathers and sons and to, to run a country. That's always a concern. That's a, an indication that it is a kind of a kleptocracy. So um, what kind of government, what kind of democracy will come out of this revolution well, there, there is a constitutional process.
1: So Rajapaksa, uh, Gota Rajapaksa arrived in Singapore last night and then resigned. And so the Prime Minister, Wikraman Singh, has now become the acting Prime Minister, uh, uh, president. And uh, there will be a process over over coming days um, to appoint a new president um, in uh, Rajapaksa's place. That will either be uh, likely either either um, Singh or the leader of the opposition uh, Premadasa, and uh, then they will try and form a government to try and clean up this mess. Um, but the underlying these constitutional processes has been essentially a, a revolution, and they so. There will be a lot of calls for reforms um, to um, bring about, um, to end corruption, to bring about reconciliation with the um, Tamil and Muslim minorities um, in the country, and to do things in a different way. Now, you know, they're obviously all um, very good ambitions. Whether that, ca- that can be achieved is entirely another question. And this all needs to be done in the context of an IMF bailout. Now, now at the same time, there will be negotiations with the IMF to, for Sri Lanka to restructure all of its um, massive foreign debts. But the IMF is going to require big economic reforms as a cost of restructuring that debt that will include ending subsidies, selling state owned companies, breaking up big business monopolies, um, uh, ending um, uh, corruption and that is going to cause uh, a lot of pain for a lot of vested interests and I have to say I am pretty skeptical that the new government that's appointed in coming days will, be able, will have the unity and strength of purpose to push through all of these painful and necessary uh, reforms uh, to get the country back on its feet. And so I think there is a real risk that we're going to see a series of um, uh, further political instability if uh, people can't agree to these reforms, and there's a real yeah. risk to democracy itself in uh, in in Sri Lanka.
0: Well, we've had a mob, polite though they may have been, storm the palace and and force the president to leave. I mean, that is a concern for democracy. Anyway, I love the fact that he didn't resign until he was out of the country. I would have thought. Absolutely. The resignation was pretty much a foregone conclusion by then. But is the president the head of government in Sri Lanka, or is he a figurehead, or is the prime minister the head of government, or is a prime minister more like somebody in, in, say, the French system?
1: Yeah, it's much closer to the French system, and so the, um, the the, the president is very powerful and appoints the government and really controls the government. There is a prime minister and other ministers of government, but it's very much a strong um, presidential system i think we're going to see changes in that because that system allowed this terrible corruption um to develop so there's going to be i think there's going to be uh, uh attempts to make it a a more um democratic system but as you said You know, there has been, um, you know, the fact that a um, uh, a revolution has stormed the uh, the presidential palace. They've also burnt um, uh, down the houses of a lot of uh, of more of the corrupt MPs. The army, the very powerful army, is um, sitting there watching, and they decided to not take action. Um, over the last uh, few days to protect the president because they could see uh, which way the wind was blowing. But if there is continuing uh, serious civil unrest in Sri Lanka, there's a very, unfortunately, there's a real chance that the army could step in and take power um, just as uh, the army has taken power in other countries in the region, yeah. so that's a, a, a real risk that, okay. that we may face.
0: Greg wants to know on the text line: Was the last election honest?
1: Yes, it was. It was largely, um, it was largely honest uh, or free and fair, and it reflected um, the fact that the, the, there was a. Um, uh, a period of uh, where the Rajapaksas did not rule, and it was a very divided and and weak government. The Rajapaksas then came back and said, uh, we can provide a strong government, and they really played the nationalist card, the nationalist card against the uh, Tamils and, and the Muslim uh, minority in particular. And so in a sense uh, when um, Go to Rajapaksa was voted back into power in 2019. The people who voted for him knew what they were getting, and so we shouldn't discount that there is a strong element of uh, Buddhist uh, nationalism and and extremism in uh, in the country that has um, driven a lot of these events. Now, um, that may be a little bit surprising for a lot of people in Australia who, uh, uh, when you put the words together, Buddhist extremists, uh, sounds a bit odd, but we see in, in Myanmar a Buddhist nationalist extremist government, and uh, there are a lot of links between the Buddhist nationalists in Sri Lanka and, and in Myanmar and also in Thailand. No, um, you know, both Myanmar and Thailand have military governments at the moment, um, uh, dominated by Buddhist nationalists, and so that's the fear of what could happen in uh, in Sri Lanka in the coming weeks and months as well.
0: So, David Brewster is our guest. So, why were we playing cricket there? Was that just too <laughs> late to, to call off that tour when we got a revolution happening? I got to say that's yeah, that's a first. I've been watching Look, cricket. Look, it, for a
1: it, it time. was it was all a bit uh, surreal, um, you know. And during these um, cricket matches, the crowd would be alternatively um, watching cricket and 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 protesting, but. Um, you know, the very odd thing was that um, at the same time, the ordinary Sri Lankan people had a lot of gratitude towards Australia for sending our cricket yes. team there. And they were treated incredibly well. And I think it's, I mean, it does sound odd, but that that sort of thing means a lot in South Asian countries. Uh, cricket and sending our cricket team there. And it will actually, uh, I think, it will be remembered for a long time uh, that we did so, and it will really um, help our continuing relationship with Sri Lanka. So, uh, it, it's I know it's surreal, but it was really uh, a good move on Australia's part to continue that tour Uh,
0: just to go back Elizabeth says how can you not compare the storming of the palace to the January 6th riot it's like watching the exact same footage I mean you made a a point uh, that they were rather polite about it they didn't uh, trash it Uh, I don't know tell me why they're different
1: well the january sixth uh, the events of January sixth in in Washington were driven by a president some would say a pretty a deranged president who would refuse to uh, accept a a very clear election result and was using a uh, you know his supporters to try and overturn that election result now the uh, the events we saw in, um, this week with the storming of the presidential palace in Colombo was not driven by any uh, particular um, uh, uh, political leader trying to retain or gain power. It was very much a grassroots response to um, a corrupt system, and this, this just didn't happen Um, uh, out of nowhere, these protesters have been uh, camped on um, a a big uh, park in Colombo called uh, Goreface Green um, peacefully protesting against the corrupt government. They've been attacked by supporters of Rajapaksa, violently in some cases, and uh, so it was you know, uh, truly a spontaneous, popular uprising mm-hmm. against a corrupt government. Yes, that government was democratically uh, elected, and um, we have to acknowledge that. But it was a corrupt and incompetent incompetent government that had led uh, Sri Lanka into disaster and had no way out of it. And, yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know... That's the, that's the distinction I
0: would make. All right, John in St Kilda says, is there an extradition process between Sri Lanka and Singapore and is, Sing- uh, is Sri Lanka a signatory to the International Criminal Court at The Hague? So what can be done to bring the uh, former president back from Singapore, if that's where he stays for a while, and uh, what happens? Can he actually be charged, maybe not in The Hague, but maybe just to charge with the criminal conduct in Sri Lanka itself?
1: Well, look, certainly there's a lot of Sri Lankans who want to, bring, uh, to see him brought back to face uh, uh, charges for, for what he's done, and indeed the rest of the Rajapaksa family who are still sitting there with their money. Uh, I very much doubt that uh, Singapore is the final destination. I think there's currently negotiations underway uh, between Rajapaksa and other countries. To gain sanctuary, I think most likely he will end up in, uh, in uh, an Arab country, whether it be uh, Dubai or Saudi Arabia or the like, uh, where he can go with at least some of his, his riches. Um,
0: they but, all end up in Saudi Arabia at some point.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that, I think you know he did. You know this. It, it's it's a surreal story because in fact, uh, Rajapaksa tried to get on a flight um, to Dubai uh, in on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. He went to uh, Colombo Airport, and the um, officials, the immigration officials refused to process his passport to allow to him to get on the flight Good. Um, as a protest i suppose for the the things that he's done and so he then had to uh you know uh, he's um he had to
0: had to uh perhaps he then, could have got um, on a boat to escape sri lanka
1: there, and there's been you know there's been attempts to get on um navy ships uh, he tried to go to the US. The US refused him a visa. He tried to go to India. Uh, the Indians said, no, uh, we won't let your plane land in India. And it was only um, a day or so ago that he fled to nearby Maldives. Mm. Um but again, ended that, up
0: on the Christmas Island, of course.
1: Well, that's right. So I don't think anyone wants him. Um, and so, whoever uh, you can be guaranteed that whoever um, ultimately takes him, he's going to have to pay a lot of money yeah. uh, for, uh, for that sanction. It always
0: astonishes me that these people never know when to leave. He could have left, he could have left last year, and uh, people would have been glad to get rid of him, but he could have taken his money with him. Shane is with us. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, Rod. How are you? Very well. You've got a very specific question that I don't know that we can answer it, but go right ahead. Yeah, look, I, um, we've been to Sri
1: Lanka two or three years ago and you know, found this to be a great place. We were planning to be there next week, in fact, and we've decided we had to. We couldn't in good conscience yeah. actually go to Sri Lanka, um, you yeah. know, just because of the situation sure. that's going on, but...
2: We're wondering, David, when do you think,
0: perhaps, how soon do you think we might be able to get back there? Okay, well, again, David can't give you specific information, but like the question is, how long do you think this will go on? And not only that, I mean, before things return to normal, uh, tourism, that's another matter as well. It's a huge industry for Sri Lanka. And... You'd have to think that hotels are closed, and you know, if there is no uh, oil or diesel or petrol, then how do you get around? So the question is, how long will this go on?
1: Yeah, look, uh, you know, I uh, was actually uh, planning to go there um, uh, some weeks ago for a co- for a meeting, and uh, that was ultimately uh, moved elsewhere because um, uh, the organisers of the meetings were told. Well, how are you planning to get people from the airport to the hotel? There's no petrol. So if you, <laughs> you want to get from the airport, you better think about bringing some, uh, some fuel with you. Uh, so, you know, it comes down to those really quite uh, uh, basic yeah. uh, problems in, um, in getting around. Uh, aircraft can only land at the airport if they have enough fuel to um, take off and and go back again. So, yeah, so I think we're going to see uh, a lot of difficulties in uh, in getting to Sri Lanka for quite some time. I think, uh, as I said, this isn't the end of Sri Lanka's uh, problems. In some ways, it's only the start. We're going to see a lot of um, political and economic and social instability in coming months, if not years. And uh, we just don't, although these um, civil protests have been largely peaceful, at least on the protesters' side, we certainly can't um, guarantee that that will continue. And there's a lot of uh, scenarios, I suppose, where things could get uh, um, um, very violent. Okay. and um, uh, and difficult.
0: All right, uh, Shane, so some bad news there. It might be quite a while. Sorry about that. Um, yes, the Biloela family, they were Tamils, were they not?
1: Yes, absolutely. And sort of you've touched on uh, another aspect of this, certainly um, uh, from Australia's standpoint. You know, all of these troubles can, uh, as we've seen over the last uh, month or two, the economic collapse yeah. is triggering a desire by many people, both Tamils and Sinalese, to flee the country. And of course, Australia is an attractive option in terms of, um, you know, for, for, for many people. And, uh, you know, it's we should expect that there will be um, many people who will be um, tempted to get on boats or by other means try and come to Australia or, or otherwise flee the country.
0: Dr David Brewster from the ANU, thank you so much for your time and your insight this morning.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Overnights with Rod Quinn
1: on ABC Radio.